That's right, sports fans. The Bengals won the second game in the playoffs. I kind of hinted at this in the last podcast when I was talking about it and talking about how at the time I didn't know if they were going to win the next game because the next game had not taken place. However, by the time I finished producing the episode, the game had taken place. The Bengals had won. So I hit the little bell effect a couple times in post-production and also ended the podcast with the chant that I opened this podcast with, who day? Who day? Who they ain't gonna beat them Bengals? Nobody. Well, hopefully. I, they have at this point one more game to play, and then they're in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1988. I would have been 12. So Jeff is a happy camper. Uh, the game this week is going to be on Sunday, so I'm not gonna have a whole ton of time in post-production to make any little subtle inferences as to how the game turned out prior to the release of the episode. However, I'm gonna save the last little I'm Jeff and I'm Jeff outro that I do. I'm going to leave that open-ended so that after Sunday's game, before I upload the podcast, if the Bengals win, I will give you that chant again. You're welcome, at least to the Bengals fans. The rest of you are like, I don't want to hear that chant. But regardless of whether you're a Bengals fan, this is a very underdog situation with a brand new quarterback who has shown to be quite fantastic, Mr. Joe Burrow. So it is a very cool story whether you're a Bengals fan or not. All right, enough sports here on the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast, brought to you by the Cincinnati Bengals and Skyline Chili. I expect a check from Skyline Chili. You hear me, Skyline executives? Jeffy wants some cheddar. So the other day I was going on to Spotify. I never use Spotify. I actually opened the app by accident trying to open another app because they're just simply located right next to each other on my screen. And I'm like, fuck it, it's fine. What I want to listen to is on the Spotify app as well. So I just went and searched the song and I went to play the song and another song started playing. I'm like, what? What's going on here? It won't let I keep hitting the play button and nothing happening. Then I realized it was like that song was almost like an ad. Here's the thing, people. Spotify has turned into a pile of steaming shit. It took me two days. That's right. I spent time despite the fact not ever using Spotify, because for music, for the most part, I'm an Apple user, so I use Apple Music. Again, only ended up in Spotify on accident, but then it got me thinking, so I went and looked up my own music on Spotify. I hit play, and another song started playing. I'm like, what the fuck? This is not cool. I want people to hear my music, not the music Spotify is trying to sell to me. So I'm like, okay, I'll just look up Metallica. And one of the first results, if not the first result, was Nothing Else Matters. So I tapped that and I go to hit play. I'm thinking, okay, Metallica is much bigger than me. Certainly Spotify will play me the Metallica song. They did not. They played me a song I didn't want to hear. It's all like poppy and techno and dancey. They clearly don't even know my preferences. And at this point, I've sat through a variety of advertisements and I'm getting highly annoyed. So I got online, I watched like this quick 30 second tutorial and something recommended that maybe you deselect autoplay in the settings because there was this bar on the bottom of the screen with the song that was playing instead of the song I wanted, like my own music. That's not what I was searching, but that was, you know, kind of what was irritating me the most was knowing that if people want to hear my song, are they hearing someone else's shit? Because I was. So I go into my settings. I deselect the autoplay. Nothing changed. So finally now I start just fingering my phone like crazy.
and eventually realized that I needed to swipe that little bar on the bottom of the screen with the song, the suggested song that was playing, I needed to swipe that multiple times to clear out this playlist of suggested songs, at which point when I did all of them, it said, you can skip six suggested songs per hour. So thank you, Spotify, for letting me listen to some music. At that point, I could hit play on my song, on Nothing Else Matters, and it would play. Granted, there were then more ads that popped up, and I want to say it was, you know, a minute or two of forced advertisement. That's a long time in this day and age. Even Hulu ain't playing two-minute advertisements. And of course, what irritated me the most was that I did all this hard work just to try and figure it out. I could have listened to the song I wanted to listen to in five seconds on any other platform that I have. So Spotify, you're a piece of garbage. I don't like you. And now I am a little more understanding why a lot of big artists out there have told Spotify to stick it up their ass. So perhaps you haven't noticed because a lot of times we don't notice what's not there. We notice what's there. But in In recent episodes, I've tried, I've made a relatively concerted effort to say the F-bomb a little less. Primarily because there was an episode I recorded, I want to say back in December, and I was under the gun on time, and this is one of the things that probably made me want to change my schedule to just one episode per week, but I was very tired. I had no choice but to record the episode that night so that I would have enough time to produce, edit, and release the episode on the timeline of the, at the time, two-a-week schedule. But I noticed immediately when I was producing and editing that podcast, that episode, that I had said the F-bomb a lot. Like, a lot. Unnecessarily so. It sounded like the shower in a men's prison. But that made me self-conscious, and my mom, even, who is a fan of the podcast, she texted me after she listened to the episode and, you know, made her typical comments about, I liked this, that was funny, and then also said, a little bit too many F-bombs for me. And I already knew, yeah, I know, it's too many F-bombs for me, and I'm the guy who did them. But once they're in there, I can't just cut out little words and make it sound normal. I have to leave them in there. But again, that made me more conscious moving forward that I really don't need that. Because honestly, cursing, F-bombs especially, usually that's just a very lazy approach to conversational language. You don't need to use the F-bomb in most instances. Like, for example, if I say, that's fucking stupid, that's no different than me saying, that's stupid, or that's so stupid. There is no need for the expletive. And yes, F-bombs are going to happen on this show. I'm not going to bleep them out like I did in the first handful of episodes. I'm pretty sure I've already dropped a couple so far on the episode, and we're barely into the beginning. But, like, maybe you noticed on last week's episode that I was saying friggin' or daggum a few times, and that's okay. Curse words are fine, there's nothing wrong with them, but I do think they need to be used in the appropriate context for emphasis, to emote a feeling or a thought. But if you're just casually dropping them in left and right as adverbs or adjectives that don't need to be there in the first place, like just saying that's fucking stupid versus that's stupid, neither one of those phrases has any different meaning with or without the F-bomb. 
So I just want you to know that I'm going to be more cognizant about this moving forward. I can do this when I'm out in general public, around kids, around old people. I can go hours and hours without cussing. I've been a guest on multiple radio shows that aren't like satellite radio shows. So I've had to make sure that I'm 100% clean. I am very capable of doing that. So I'm going to try and exercise a little bit more of that restraint and that control moving forward. Again, it's going to happen. It already happened earlier in the episode and I immediately noticed it, but it was like, you know what? It happened and I'm about to talk about it. So it's cool. So before we get into our topic, the last update I want to provide you is on the growth of my hair. This sounds like a really dumb thing to update you on, and I've only really kind of mentioned it in passing in previous episodes. But since October, I have not buzzed or shaved or trimmed or done anything to the hair on my head at all. Prior to that, I have been shaving my head basically down to the flesh for close to two decades because I started to develop male patterns baldness and we live in a society that tells you if you look a certain way you are an ugly loser but the fact is I own a lot of hats I have not done anything to shorten my hair in three months that's three months of growth and I think it looks pretty good better than I thought it was gonna look I've tried this so many times in the past but inevitably I will be somewhere where I it's hard to explain or I look in the mirror in my bathroom where the lighting is just so bleached out of course it's gonna show all that visible scalp I'm not exactly selling my argument here with this terminology but I I would essentially cave in and be like, yeah, what am I thinking? This does look super stupid. See what I did there? I was about to say fucking stupid. Oh, damn it. Now I said it talking about it. You know what I mean, but that's how it's going to go. I like super stupid better anyway. So again, I would cave in. I would buzz and just go back to being bald all the time. But razors are super expensive at this point for men. Like if you want to buy a four pack of razor blades, you're talking like 20 to $30, depending on the razor system that you use because now everything is like we have 47 blades with an aloe strip at the top and a Chinese lady at the bottom to wipe your neck as the water runs down. That's a fancy razor. But it doesn't look that bad. Yes, on the finger quotes, balder parts of my head just on the top and kind of going down to the top back of my head, it's way thinner and that hair has taken some time to come in but it's starting to sprout. It is coming in slowly but surely. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It's kind of like watching a garden grow. Like when I moved into this house, on the second or third year, I dug up a square of my lawn next to the back porch concrete area. And I fenced it off and then I started to toil the soil. That's a fun little phrase. And I put my seeds down and you don't know, like, did I do enough work? I just kind of went out there and was Joe Farmer in the suburbs. Is that actually going to grow anything? And for a week or two, you're like, eh, this doesn't look good. And before you know it, shit starts to sprout. You've got big old tomatoes hanging down, jalapenos popping up, basil plants growing so fast that you can't even keep up with them. You have to give that stuff away all the time. But that's what my head is like right now. I'm seeing this area of my head that I thought was just going to be pretty much the bald spot. And no, it's filling in. There's a little sod on the field. As I mentioned, the primary catalyst for all of this is I am sick and tired of dealing with societal expectations. If you are at all overweight like me, 
then you know what I mean about the pressure from society from a beauty expectation perspective. All that to say, I still approach this with a societal awareness of what people will think of me. That's why I wear hats. I do not go out in public right now with my hair on display because I'm embarrassed of it because of what society is going to think. But when I see myself in the mirror, I'm not embarrassed by it at all. I like it. I'm glad I'm doing it. So it's a weird juxtaposition of mentality. I will say that in the past, since I have started growing my hair or rather not cutting or shaving it, I have had to go out in public twice and once do a Zoom call. All three were interview-based. And, of course, you can't wear a ball cap to an interview. And it was very uncomfortable. And I considered shaving it before each of those appearances or interviews because of the discomfort I felt. But I didn't, and I'm glad I stuck with it. Currently, like the sides of my head, just over my ears, I've got these big, long, white side wings. All of my hair is not white, mostly just down by the ears. I'm sure there's some white peppered in throughout the rest of the head, but that's the concentrated area. But it's like two inches long. It's pretty long. That is not bad growth for just three months. If you do the math exponentially, that would mean that I'm going to have a solid eight inches by Halloween. Now, as I mentioned, the bald part, the little strip on top going into the back, but not too far, that's shorter because it started coming in late. So the rest of the top of my head on each side, it's also pretty long. I naturally want to slick it back or push it backward. So that hair currently just sticks straight up and it looks like devil horns on my head. Or perhaps I'm an eight-point buck and I'm just starting to show my antlers. Again, I know all this does not sound flattering, but I'm going to tell you it looks way better than I expected. Honestly, my goal for what I want my hair to look like, well, this is not the real goal, but Beetlejuice. In the movie Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton, he's got this long hair that's crazy teased out and very thin on top and in the front, but then fills in around it. That's exactly what my hair looks like right now if it was that length. I would not tease it out and make it look like Beetlejuice where it's white with moss in it. And I also don't want to like grow my hair down to my waist. I want to get it to where I fill it in, maybe keep it around shoulder length at most. Probably more like top of my collar length. We'll see. We'll see. It's my hair is not as curly, so I'll need to see what looks stupid and what looks stupider. But regardless of how stupid society thinks it looks, I love it. I love how it feels. I love opening the windows, even though it's freezing cold and just feeling my little hairs blowing around. It's amazing. She's like the wind. When I take a shower, I can actually slick it back now. It's that long. I mean, long enough to do that. That's weird. I'm actually purchasing shampoo. I haven't done that in a long time. But I'm mainly telling you this because I want you to understand if there's something about yourself that you don't like, but you only don't like it because society says that you shouldn't like it or you shouldn't look a certain way or you shouldn't be a certain weight or your hair shouldn't be ungroomed to a certain extent, fuck them. And yes, that is a very acceptable use of the F-bomb on the podcast. 
You don't need to care what anyone else thinks. You just have to do what I'm doing right now is retraining my brain to like what I see in the mirror more so than what I think people are seeing when they see me. It's hard to explain, but hopefully that made enough sense. So really, this just started as an experiment. I was kind of curious, how long can I let it go before I cave in again and buzz it down? But I haven't. And the longer I go, the more glad I am that I have stuck to my resolve and continue to grow it out. Speaking of experiments. Are we finally going to start talking about the topic? Yes, we are. So before I get into that, I need to provide a little backstory. Recently, I started re-watching, re-binging The Last Man on Earth, which is on Hulu. I want to say it was a Fox or NBC show. I don't remember exactly. But it is simply one of my favorite sitcoms ever made. Unfortunately, the show was canceled at the end of the fourth season, and they still wanted to make one final fifth season. So Fox or NBC or whoever it was, burn in hell. However, this sitcom revolves around the idea of a virus that wipes out all of humanity in 2019. That sounds kind of familiar, Jeff. That's right. If you watch it, it's like, damn, they were pretty close on some of their approximations other than the fact that COVID came in 2020. Well, technically it showed up in 2019, but it hit the United States and other countries hard in 2020 and didn't wipe out the population. However, in this show, the population is gone. He is the only man on Earth. He has driven all over the country looking for survivors and found none. And the main character, Phil Miller, we see in the first episode kind of exposing his need for human interaction. He has a collection of balls. No, I mean like sports balls. And of course, this is mimicking Castaway with Tom Hanks, where Tom Hanks with Wilson was on an island by himself and he talked to this volleyball. Of course, it's him talking to himself, but he was doing his best to replicate that social human interaction that he was lacking. And that's what Phil does. But he's got a whole slew of balls that he's drawn faces on and given different names to. A tennis ball, a golf ball, a volleyball, of course, ping pong ball, a shuttlecock. If you don't know what a shuttlecock is, look that shit up. But as I'm watching this, I'm realizing, you know what? That's kind of my life right now. 95 plus percent of the time that I spend awake and on this planet, I am not communicating with other human beings. I'm at home alone. I'm in my car alone. Now, I do interact with human beings, but I don't necessarily communicate with them. I don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. I don't have anyone to vent to. That's kind of what this podcast has become. So I decided for the sake of the podcast, you're welcome to try a little experiment. I decided to order myself an item that I could treat as a friend, just like one of those balls, and force myself to talk to that item, that inanimate object, knowing it's an inanimate object, and see what happens. (laughs) 
So originally I was kind of thinking, hey, maybe there's like a Pop Funko doll out there. Again, if you don't know what Pop Funko is, look it up. But I have several on my mantle of characters from horror films and Tim Burton movies that I like. But I thought, you know, maybe that would work. But they're not necessarily always cheap, depending on what you want. So I got on Amazon and I looked up like a sleeve of tennis balls and thought, well, maybe I'll just draw a face on a tennis ball and that will be my friend and I'll give him a name and we will talk and be best friends forever. But tennis balls were like $15 for a sleeve. Maybe I was looking in the wrong place, but they were not cheap. And I found a Pop Funko that I like that was only $16. And for those of you who watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, one of the main characters, Charlie, writes this musical rock opera about the day man fighting the night man. It's very silly. They took you nightmen and you don't belong to them. They left me in a world of darkness without your sexy hands and I miss you, nightman, so bad. The play does not go over very well in the show. However, it's actually pretty damn good. The failure is for the comedy of the show, not necessarily because of the actual writing or performance of the parts or the songs. Yes, they're silly, but it's a pop Funko of Charlie dressed in his Dayman outfit, which is basically a yellow suit with a yellow shirt and a yellow tie, white shoes, white top hat, and a white cane. And the character, the pop Funko character, that I ordered, he's kind of holding his arms out with one, his left hand holding the cane in kind of a Broadway theatrical move. But everything else is pretty basic. All that to say, I decided I'm not going to get the tennis balls when for a dollar more, I can get Charlie. So I ordered Charlie, the day man, the fighter of the nightman. So before I get into any details of the experiment thus far, I want to make sure that you understand the parameters of the experiment. So I will have Charlie for three months, so approximately until April 20th of 2022. And every day I'm going to make a concerted effort to speak to him and to speak with him to, with, whatever. But actually two versus with, that's a big deal. I talk to my cat Gooby, but I never expect a reply. But I'm curious. Will I start to speak to Charlie? Will I start to speak with Charlie? Will I feel stupid? So let's start to go through the first seven days. I waited to record this episode until I was on the end of the seventh day. So you can get one full week. And then at the end of this experiment, I'm going to do a part two of this episode and tell you how things went. I'm sure I will give you some slight updates between now and then, but I don't want to spoil the fun for how it turns out. I should warn you before we go any further that Charlie is staring at me. He's propped up against the computer monitor, which is where I've been putting him while I work on things in my studio. So hopefully I don't disappoint him in delivering this information. So day one of the Charlie experiment, technically it was day two. Charlie arrived on my doorstep. I came home, I saw the box sitting there. I knew it was him. I put the box on a shelf in the garage to get it out of the way because I had stuff to carry in. And then I just didn't take him in for the rest of the night. Maybe in the back of my head, I was not mentally prepared to start the experiment. 
And so Charlie spent night one technically in the garage, and it's very cold. Poor Charlie. But I'm not counting that as day one. So day one, which I guess is kind of day two, but we're going to call it day one moving forward. I received another package the next day, just something very small. Uh, It was some masks I needed to order for work. And so I grabbed that box off the porch, and then as I'm going into the house, I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab Charlie as well, another box that's sitting in the garage. And I took them both inside. So day one was technically day two, but again, moving forward in the conversation, day one. So I opened the box. I took him out of the box. I kept the box. It's up on top of my fridge. And, you know, I made some efforts to talk to him. It felt a little silly, a little stupid. I do like the character. I like the Pop Funko that I bought. So that does make it easier for me to relate to him. But it still felt a little weird. Within about two hours, I was talking to him a lot. And to the point where I was responding to things he said to me, even though he didn't say anything, I heard it in my head, but I would just respond, no, that's stupid, Charlie, come on. Or things like, I know, I know, will you stop? I understand, get off my back. I was very frustrated with him that first night. He was a little bit of a bitchy diva. Sorry, Charlie, he's looking at me. He's not happy right now with the way that I'm talking about him. But on the end of day one, we had some final discussions and I laid him down on the nightstand next to my bed, turned off the light, went to bed. Day one complete. On day two, we had kind of a very similar vibe where we had a lot of exchanges. I know this is just in my head. I know that. Don't worry, people. But maybe because we had a very tense relationship on day one, I found myself once or twice through the course of day two apologizing to Charlie. I would say something or whatnot, and in a minute or two, I would feel bad for the way that I spoke, and I would apologize. That's weird. Another thing about day two was I actually considered getting him a friend and looked online to try and find other things that could be a friend for Charlie. But it felt like, wait, I'm doing this experiment with Charlie. I don't want to muddy the waters too much. Now I've got two different things that I have to fucking talk to. I'm sorry, Charlie. I know you're not a thing anymore. He's looking at me and he doesn't like being called a thing. But I did consider getting him a friend. And also for the record, I will say that the kind of report that I'm giving you guys on the experiment of the first seven days, these are notes kind of like a little diary that I took in my phone. I didn't notate things that were the same as day one or two, just some things that I noticed on each day that was different than a prior day. So just understand moving forward, those conversations, those little back and forth discussions continued to happen, but there were markedly new things that happened that I made note of. So day three, at one point I yelled at him for constantly standing there and and staring at me with this ambiguous fucking look. He's doing it right now. His arms are out. That The arms out can mean so many things. It's like, what the hell, man? See, I told you. Very rarely does it come across as positive. And I was angry at him for never moving, even though I know he can't. It's not his fault. Later that night, I also realized that I had been kind of belittling him. Some of the things you're hearing me talk about where it seems like a very friction-filled relationship of anger and animosity and realized, as I've said, it's not his fault that he's inanimate. And I also know that I'm talking to my fucking self when I talk to Charlie. I'm sorry, Charlie. Don't look at me that way. 
So by day four, I was much more aware of my attitude toward him in previous days. And I actually had a much more calm and, dare I say it, loving tone with him upon that realization. I actually picked him up and stroked his head or the top of his little white plastic top hat multiple times. In my mind, to make him feel better, but again, I know that's me, so it was to make me feel better. But is there anything wrong with that? Another pretty significant point of note from day four was that was the first time after laying him down on my nightstand beside me and turning off the light to go to bed, I told him goodnight. So now it's day five. We've had a bit of a roller coaster relationship so far, Charlie and I. And on previous nights, I had kind of just propped him up on the end table next to my recliner when I would watch TV to end the night before I went to bed. And the way I positioned him, he could not see the TV. On day five, that night, he laid on my chest and watched TV with me. Additionally, my cat, Gooby, when I'm watching TV, she likes to hop on my lap and snuggle for a long period of time until sometimes my feet fall asleep. But I introduced her to Charlie. I kind of held him close and she gave him some kisses, some little licks. She rubbed and scratched her face on his cane and the brim of his hat. They became instant friends. That's good. Later that night, I was working on something and listening to a song. Long story, I won't get into that, but I was standing in my kitchen listening to a song on the Bluetooth speaker, and it was such a cool part, something I've loved for decades, and I wanted Charlie to hear that song and realized I hadn't put him by the speaker. And I was like, I don't know where he is. Where are you at, Charlie? And he was like three feet from me on the kitchen table, not far away at all, in the same room. But I had a slight moment of panic. Yes, I know, this all sounds totally kookaburra, but that is the point of the experiment. So to end day five, I will tell you, this is embarrassing to say. Embarrassing at this point? Yes, it's still embarrassing to say that not only did I tell Charlie goodnight at the end of day five, I told him I loved him. The fact is that I've grown to kind of look at him almost like a child and not like a friend or a partner or a pet. So to me, it didn't feel weird and it made me feel better telling him because I sure as hell ain't telling anyone else I love you when I go to bed. So day six yesterday, I left the house for the day and forgot to take Charlie. Yes, I've been taking him in the car with me, but I forgot yesterday. And I will tell you that for the first hour that I left the house, I felt really guilty and I wondered what he was doing. I knew he was just leaning where I left him. This sounds so stupid, but I thought about him. And when I eventually got home later in that day or evening, I was hungry and wanted a quick snack without cooking. So I just grabbed a slice of bologna and a slice of American cheese. I wrapped them around each other and popped it in my mouth. A few seconds later, I did something and my hand was close to my face and realized, ew, my fingers smell like bologna slime. And before I went and washed them, Charlie was right there in front of me and I actually held my finger under Charlie's nose and told him to smell it. (laughs) 
before I washed my hands because I wanted him to experience the horror that I was experiencing. Despite the fact that he does not have a sense of smell. I know that. Then I called my son because I wanted to talk to him about something else and I also knew he would appreciate this experiment because he is a big fan of both Last Man on Earth and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So I told him about Charlie and by the end of our little 20 minute conversation he said it's so weird that you keep saying we and him and not it. And that didn't surprise me because, yes, I've been considering him a him pretty much since the end of day one. Granted, Skylar does not think I'm a weirdo. He actually loves that I'm doing this experiment because he loves those shows. But when I hung up the phone with Skylar, Charlie was annoyed. Apparently, I had ignored him during the call and he was trying to tell me to tell my son hello. I told him he was a little diva and ignored him. Then we went upstairs to work on some stuff on the computer. And of course, he's leaning there like he is now. And twice more, it came up. Why didn't you tell Skylar I said hello? And finally, by the second reiteration of his complaint, I texted my son and said, by the way, Charlie says hello. Because I wanted to shut him up. I didn't want to hear that anymore. Yes, I know. This sounds crazy. So finally, we come to day seven, today. Today was a pretty mediocre day in the experiment. Nothing major happened. We have talked. He is sitting here looking at me as I'm recording this episode, although he does look to be a bit approvingly. He likes what he's hearing. Doesn't like some of the negative comments I've made. I understand, Charlie. So we'll see what happens with Charlie and I moving forward. I will give you, like I said, some snippets of updates, but I'm going to be keeping this kind of diary of progress. What I'm kind of curious about with this experiment is how long will it last? At the end of three months, will I just put Charlie on a shelf with my other Pop Funko characters and no longer communicate with him? I'm starting to think I won't. I'm seven days in, people. You've heard what I've told you. All right, I'm going to tell you something I didn't say earlier. Last night, night of day six, night six, not only did I tell Charlie goodnight when I turned off the light, but I laid him on my pillow next to my head and kind of put my hand beside him. He didn't stay in bed with me the whole night, but until around 7 a.m., yeah, he did. If I flipped over in the night, I grabbed him and moved him to the other side of the pillow so he was with me and not behind me. I know. I know. It sounds crazy. But here's the thing. Charlie is all of my inner thoughts. He's all of my internal conversations that I'm already having just vocalized. He's like the little cartoon devil, an angel that you see, but sometimes he's one or the other. Sometimes he's my good idea. Sometimes he's my bad idea. He is typically always the antithesis of what I'm thinking at the time. If I want to do something and I know that's not what I should be doing, Charlie is like the mom or the dad saying, no, you need to be good. Jeff and do something different. I know, Charlie, that's not your voice. That's a different voice. He's looking at me disapprovingly, people. But a lot of times he's the opposite side of that. So it really is just a vocalization of the internalization. That's a lot of zations. But it also could be therapeutic, just like this podcast. I mean, this podcast isn't that much different than everything I've just told you about Charlie. It is me vocalizing my internal thoughts and sometimes talking 
talking to myself. You don't ever talk to yourself, Jeff. Yes, I do. Sometimes I do. I never notice. And to defend myself a little, this isn't that different than like small children with toys or dolls where they talk to them, they comb their hair, they want to brush their teeth, they want to change their diaper. And I've always liked to think that I have a very strong imagination, even as an adult. So perhaps that helps this experiment a little bit. So hopefully you all aren't saying, I'm done listening to Jeff. He's a complete psychopath. I hope you will look forward to the little tidbits of updates coming up and the part two episode in late April. I will also tell you that my mom is coming to visit in April and I'm going to have her as a guest on my show. This should be interesting. She knows it's coming. So that's going to be an episode I'm going to record when she visits in April and release as a Mother's Day special the week before Mother's Day. So I'm super looking forward to that. I'd like to give you a teaser about what I'm going to talk about next week, but I have no idea as of yet. I have a lot of ideas and things I want to discuss, but none of them are fleshed out at the moment. So flying by the seat of my pants. I want to give a quick shout out to Des Moines, Iowa. There is someone in Des Moines, Iowa that has recently become a Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast fan. And I thank you. Yes, I see the stats. I see you. I know you're out there. I don't know who you are. But I like the new curtains you bought for your bedroom. I'm kidding. I don't know that. I'm in Ohio. How would I know? But whoever you are, thank you so much. You and everyone else, please go follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Send me show ideas. Tell your friends. Let them know if you don't listen to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast, you're not my best friend anymore. Until next time, I'm Jeff. They took you nightmen and you don't belong to them. They left me in a world of darkness without your sexy hands and I miss you, Nightman, so bad. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. Who they? Who they? Who they think I'm beating bagels? Who they? Who they? Who they think I'm beating bagels? Good night. to the devil and I prayed and I showed him the mess that I've made and I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over but the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned Time's over, but he just covered me with water. So I went to the Lord of the sea. Said, won't you come wash over me? Cause the roads and the woods have been winding a million times over. But she receded from
went to the devil again He said I don't really want to be your friend I've been tried and I've cried and I'm done crying And then I laughed in his face And then I saw the guy on fire He said you don't need to keep me Covered him with water from the land. 